0: We're also keeping an eye on uh, what's going on with this Mar-a-Lago raid and the investigation regarding the, uh, the raid or the execution of a search warrant at President Trump's residence in Florida. And a lot of this seems to have to do with presidential records. Now, I read one of the most fascinating articles that I've read on this subject in a long time over the weekend. And it was written by somebody that spent a great deal of time researching this stuff and studying this stuff, and that's Ronald Schaefer. Ronald Schaefer is a former Wall Street Journal political features editor and the author of the book Breaking News All Over Again, and we have tracked him down. Ron, thanks so much for uh, coming on the radio with me. I know it's a tough hour.
1: It is, but I'm happy to be here. I I don't know whether to say good morning or good evening, but... uh, I'm glad to be
0: here. Neither do I. I'm still trying to figure that one out myself, Ronald. So uh, I know, I learned from your article and some other commentary on this subject that the Presidential Records Act came about in uh, 1978. What exactly is the Presidential Act, and where did it come from?
1: Well, the uh, the Records Act basically, just to boil it down, says that when uh, you're president and you leave office, you have to turn all your papers over to the National Archives. Uh, They don't belong to you anymore. They belong to the public. And uh, actually, Congress first passed something in 1974 uh, when uh, President Nixon left and he wanted to keep some uh, material dealing with Watergate. Uh, So they passed a law saying uh, you got to give that back. And then in 1978, they passed a law that says everybody has to give it back. And it didn't really take place uh, until, affect uh, a president until Ronald Reagan. It took that long to go into effect. But meanwhile, Jimmy Carter voluntarily gave over all his records uh, when he left office. And ever since then, uh, you're supposed to turn everything over.
0: So presidents before this act was passed in 1978. They, when they left office, they could do whatever they want with wanted, wanted with their papers. It was their property.
1: It was it. It was. You know, it all began with uh, George Washington. Uh, he's the first president. He left in 1797. Uh, when he left, he took his papers with him. And as I wrote in my article, the federal agents never searched Mount Vernon uh, because they belonged to Washington and and not to the government. And so he was really the first one to, to have to handle uh, former documents. And, of course, his were really important sure. since he was the first president. So he was going to build a, a place to store them then. But, unfortunately, he only lived two more years. Uh, you know, under his medical plan, he had this doctor who liked to bleed people. Mm. So he died in 1799, and he passed them along to a nephew uh, who uh, just happened to be a Supreme Court justice. And this uh, justice, he loaned him to Chief Justice John Marshall, who was writing a biography of George Washington. And Marshall started, I don't know where he started, but uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the justice who lent them uh, wrote uh, later and said they were stored somewhere. They were ex- extensively mutilated by rats and otherwise injured by damp. Hmm. Uh, so right from the get-go, the papers were not handled very well, and fortunately, uh, they were saved. And you can actually go online today; uh, they're in the Library of Congress. And uh, if you want,
0: uh, you know, read George Washington's papers. Well, the ones that the rats didn't get to, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, the rats have theirs, and we got the rest.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, this this was done. Obviously, everybody, I think, is familiar with the Nixon situation where there was a missing a missing 18 minutes of uh, an audio, um, you know, audio having to do with Watergate. But this applies, the Presidential Records Act, not just to papers like the ones that George Washington had, but to audio recordings that, like the ones Nixon had. And I would imagine it applies to electronic records as well.
1: Yeah, all that kind of things. I mean, of course, back in uh, Washington's day, they... They never heard about classified documents uh, but it's anything that's uh, public now it doesn't it's not your your private thing something you sat on the desk or something like that you can keep that <clears throat> but anything that involved the the public office and uh, uh, and it varied, you know over the years I mean the second president uh, John Adams uh, he was a good record keeper and he gave his stuff to his son uh, John Quincy Adams who Also became president of the United States, and he kept good records, and they gave them to their heirs, and they kept them in a a safe somewhere, and then donated them to the Massachusetts Historical Society, and you can read all those today. Uh, But after that, it just it was all over the lot until
0: 1978. So, uh, going into the present day with this Trump investigation. There appears to be a dispute. Again, we don't know necessarily because we don't know all the details of what's in these documents, but there appears to be a dispute in terms of what records President Trump was permitted to have once he left office and which records were supposed to go to the National Archives. And apparently there was some ongoing discussions about this between the Trump team and the National Archives going back I think all the way to January under the Presidential Records Act, though, would President Trump have been able to keep any of these records?
1: Well, we don't know exactly what they have, but it's pretty clear he wouldn't be able to keep anything to do with nuclear weapons or any kind of classified information or whatever, whatever documents they are. Uh, and I guess they're sorting that out uh, out right now. There were some with uh, legal privileges that maybe he he could keep, but uh, we don't know. I mean, it's this has never come up before that uh, the president went home with all these uh, documents. At least not since they, uh, they passed the law, and until the uh, the final outcome uh, happens, uh, it's all a guessing game right now.
0: Now let's say um, a president is playing, um, is doodling, right? Doodling on a napkin in in, in the uh, you know while they're waiting for their lunch to be served, and they're just uh, they're just letting their mind wander, they're doodling, or they're playing tic tac toe with one of the first children. Now, I mean, that's not a. I wouldn't think that's a presidential record that's worth preserving. How um, does the Presidential Records Act? differentiate between a president doodling on a napkin versus a president um, sending a communication to a foreign leader, for instance?
1: Well, I, I don't think they wrote anything into the law that I know of about doodling. <laughs> uh, but who knows? I mean, this law in 78, actually one of the leaders in Congress was Dan Quayle, who was a uh, first-term uh, congressman. So there may be some doodling stuff in there, but uh, I, I don't think it gets down to that. I, as as a as a total amateur in this area, I would guess that you probably could keep your doodles uh, unless you had some nuclear secret on it.
0: Uh, fair enough. By the way, what became of um, Chester A. Arthur, another New Yorker that uh, was elected president? What became of his presidential papers after he left office?
1: Well. Now, Arthur had this, uh, had this crazy idea that journalists would pry into his affairs. Uh, and, of course, you know, we journalists would never do anything like that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so just before he died, you know, he, this was on his mind apparently in, in 1886. So his, he told his son, he said, to destroy all my presidential papers. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the son got these three big garbage cans, and he burned up almost all of the uh, chester arthur's papers so i guess uh i haven't really checked but I, I i guess we don't have that many of his papers because uh he didn't want journalists uh, to uh, to look into it uh the downside is that uh they don't write about him very much anymore I, I can't remember the last time i heard of chester A. arthur
0: you know obviously that's a um that's a shame for history because it would be nice to have those, um, you know, have those records of the Arthur presidency, which was, you know, a pretty pivotal point in American history for a bunch of reasons. But I'm wondering, not that we're going to re-amend or um, revoke the Presidential Records Act, is there something to be said for allowing presidents to make determinations for themselves about what becomes of their their papers? Maybe it could be argued that if there's a lot of correspondence uh, between Chester A. Arthur and his uh, his cabinet, for instance, where they're speaking to one another in writing in very um, in, in very crude terms, maybe it could be argued that there's more of an expectation of frankness if you know that someone after you leave office is not going to be reviewing those writings whereas someone like john adams feels comfortable donating these records or that records is there something to be said for allowing presidents to make these records their personal property
1: well speaking as a journalist i i would rather not i'd rather private tell you the truth <laughs> i bet you uh, would and and that is a, and a Funny thing about the early ones, of course, as you mentioned, they were handwritten. Can you imagine uh, storing those kind of papers? But, but actually, as, as fewer than now, that when Nixon finally turned his papers over, uh, there were forty-two million pages of of documents, and uh, uh, so. It, these days, you're talking about a tremendous amount of, you know, as you say, not just papers, but material and so forth. Mm. Although Nixon once estimated that uh, out of the 40 million pages or so that he that he turned over, uh, a president would only look, like himself, would only have looked at about 200,000 pages uh, during his time as president. So a lot of these things, the, the, the president uh, who t- doesn't even really know what they are because he hasn't read 40 million pages of documents, and it's probably even more now. Uh, So it probably just comes down to, you know, uh, well, I guess in this case, boxes of documents uh, that uh, the presidents really are really that familiar with.
0: There are there's obviously a lot of discussion and a lot of debate about the current situation, because anything involving President Trump ends up being very polarizing and politically charged. Jonathan Turley is a a professor at George Washington University Law School. He was talking about the similarities between what what's alleged to, to have been done by the Trump folks and what was done with Hillary Clinton's records previously.
1: Well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, to me those are apples and oranges.
0: Uh, let me let me uh, play for you this uh, this audio of uh, Jonathan Turley, and then here. I want to I want you to explain how the presidential re- presidential records act fits in with this. Uh, this is Jonathan Turley. All right, we don't have that ready, but uh, but yeah, explain how uh, I, I've seen him on television. Okay, great. Yeah. So yeah, explain explain the why he might be a little off base.
1: Well, I'm not an I'm not an expert on what happens with uh, Hillary Clinton's tape recordings, uh, but I know they were thoroughly uh, uh, examined and uh, debated uh, during the uh, the election. And uh, all I can say is that the the Trump papers definitely come under the the uh, presidential act. She, of course, was not president, although she wanted to be. Uh, so her her tapes were not uh, covered under this act because this act covers uh, only presidents and uh, vice presidents. So uh, she would not be covered I under see. the Presidential Records Act. Hey, so as much as she would have liked to have been.
0: But the right the Presidential Records Act absolutely is is operative here. That absolutely plays a role in why President Trump should not have been permitted to store these records as he was storing them.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And uh, normally this is just, this is uh, just sort of a uh, uh, regular thing that happens when a president leaves office is not really a big deal. Uh, It's just pretty much automatic that it happens. Uh, So this, this is, you know, I write about things now about history and usually I base it on something that happened before. uh, But, uh, Except for, I guess, I guess Nixon would be the president when he he tried to keep some things, Uh, which at that time, of course, um, the law hadn't changed. So who knows? Maybe uh, at that time he was he was okay until they changed the law. Uh,
0: Tell me before we let you go, Mr. Shaver, tell me about your book, Breaking News All Over Again. What's that about?
1: Well, that's a collection of the articles I write from the Washington Post on the Retropolis column, which is about history. And usually what happens is just like this, when I see something in the news, uh, I find out, well, something uh, probably happened like this before. And sure enough, almost always uh, something has. So I put together about 20 columns. I've got uh, I've got with the vaccines came out. I wrote about Abigail Adams getting all her children uh, vaccinated for smallpox, which was really a big deal then because you actually, they gave you smallpox so you no longer would get it. Uh, and her husband was away in Philadelphia messing with the Declaration of Independence at the time. So she was on her own. Uh, and then when Joe Biden campaigned from his basement, well, I wrote about Warren Harding campaigning from his porch in in uh, In uh, Marion, Ohio. And uh, in fact, uh, regarding your earlier comments here, you know, his papers, uh, his when he died, uh, his wife tried to keep some of uh, his papers because uh, they might have been embarrassing to him. And uh, as we know now that uh, long before Monica Lewinsky, he was uh, he was sleeping with one of his uh, secretaries in the White House Mm. closets and she later had a baby that she claimed was Hardings and in 2015 a DNA confirmed that indeed it was Warren Hardings' uh, child so DNA came in quite even with Warren Harding <laughs> and uh, the, the actually the the uh, article in my book that was the most read article of these columns uh, all over the Washington Post last year was about the vice president who Uh, who had an enslaved wife he actually owned his wife which Um, vice
0: president was that uh
1: that was you know you you write these things and then you forget to yeah well uh, that's for us to read
0: them yeah well that i am going to um uh, i'm going to look that one up apparently apparently um the it was the wife of richard mentor johnson Who I Richard Mentor Johnson, Julia
1: Chin, uh, and she he was a Kentucky senator, and he became the vice president for President uh, uh, Martin Van Buren. Yeah, and apparently uh, he was the only died, so he actually owned his wife, and he had two daughters, and he gave them uh, uh, his name. Uh, She had died by the time he was uh, elected but there was a backlash because of his marriage hmm. and congress uh, did not approve the uh, his elections uh, i mean the uh, so finally uh, he the senate did approve it uh, but uh, it remained a controversy even while he was vice president yeah so that's the uh, kind of stories uh, i write there the thing that happened uh, now, but something happened before.
0: That, now, that is uh, wild. Apparently the only vice president elected by the U.S. Senate under the provisions of the 12th Amendment as well, which I would have uh, yeah. not known. Uh, well, Ronald Schaefer, I want to thank you very much for the time this morning. I hope we could chat again soon.
1: I hope so. And I say Willie Mays deserves whatever he can get.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going to link uh, to this piece that is in The Washington Post on uh, my Facebook page if you want to read it. It was really interesting if you're into presidential history or the history of the Presidential Records Act. If you want to read it, you could just go to facebook.com slash fan. That's facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O-Fan. Straight ad. The Other Side of Midnight. midnight.